0: Sometimes people think I'm the most
1: confident of, of, of persons, persons, um, other, other times I feel that I'm, I'm not, but hey ho. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the In Pursuit Passion podcast produced by the Demographica Network and hosted by myself, Hamish Hallett. And in today's conversation, I was joined by the one and only Lewis Alexander Baxter, who is a non-profit founder, public speaker and mental health advocate. But most importantly, he has a passion for the non-profit sector. In this conversation, we dived into how he started his journey, how he has positively shaped people's lives and the lessons he has learned the most during his pursuit of his passion. So without further ado, let's pursue this passion. Lewis Alexander Baxter. Thank you so much for coming on to in Pursuit of Passion. I know we've been in contact for the last few months, and it's been such a pleasure like getting to know you and the work that you do. I know this like, when I was doing the show or you know thinking of guests to have on the show, your mind went straight away into my head, because I feel like your passion for the nonprofit sector is so evident. But what I want people to really know a bit more about you is how did your kind of interest in the nonprofit sector start?
0: So first of all, thanks for. Chatting with me, uh, catching up again. Um, so yeah. the non-profit sector, the charity sector, is a is a fantastic sector to be involved in. Um, it's really full of passionate people, um, like me and like-minded people that are all driven by a social cause of their choice, or sometimes doing multiple different um, sort of mm. projects and, and involved in different sort of charities. From my perspective, I've been involved in the mental health and well-being space, and then more recently sort of social isolation, social connections, uh, community building um, with Hello, which we will probably get on to very shortly. Um, but I was about 16, 17, had a, a tough battle with depression myself, had about nine months out of education, that transition between uh, GCSEs and A-levels for me, I found really tough. I'd done fantastic with my GCSEs and then really struggled just to make that step up um, and my mental health suffered as a detriment so after sort of six seven months out i got involved volunteering for a local children's charity i got involved volunteering for a local radio station um community radio station from my sort of uh, lancashire in my in my region so that was great just to see sort of in operation how a non-profit works or a community interest company and mm. that passion has sort of transpired on over the last few years as well
1: Wow, that's amazing! And you started this sort of your journey, as it seems, at such a young age. And often I talk to so many people who do amazing things like yourself, who are also in the same like age bracket. Mm-hmm. And I often think to myself, like, does age ever become like a barrier or hindrance when people get involved in stuff? And my question to you is, is is has your age? Because you started, like, I think I believe it was like eighteen years old. Did your age at all become like a barrier or hindrance when you became involved in the non-profit sector? Or did you actually see it more as a strength?
0: I think I've been through different sort of opinions on that question. You know, there's been times where I've been dragged down by others because of my age, where you've been in meetings, where you've been chatting to people and you can just see, whether they've said uh, implicitly or whether they've literally just said to you about your age. Um, yeah. I once had one comment uh, at a roundtable event where I was representing a, a local charity um, and someone basically said, What do you know? Um, you know, you're like 19, 20. Um, okay. And there's been a couple of instances of that and it still happens today. I'm 22, uh, a month off being 23, and still a young guy, but still have that. You see that doubt in people's mind. Mm. But age is just a number. I think if you're really passionate about what you believe in, have great people around you from offering diverse perspectives, and that might be age, that might be uh, upbringing, that might be uh, race and religion, whatever it may be, actually having all these different perspectives and insights is really important when you're in um, the third sector. And especially when you're in an organisation where you're trying to be for everyone and you're trying to be extremely inclusive. You can't have your, your blinkers on. can't be tunnel vision and just think from your perspective my opinions my perspectives are just exactly that my opinions and perspectives um and I'm always looking for for other people sort of to to add their thoughts and opinions too
1: Mm. and then speaking about kind of your like perspective then I I really want to ask you this question around like your kind of upbringing because correct me if I'm wrong you kind of grew up in Lancashire wasn't it yeah yeah um how did that kind of influence your passion, would you say?
0: I don't think I had any interest in the charity sector up until I had my own battles with mental health. Uh, it was never mm. probably a sector that I'd never really done much volunteering when I was a young, a young child. Or, uh, yeah. you know, you might have done the sponsored walk sort of stuff. And it was one of those things you have to go around all your family members and friends to, and yeah. neighbours to try and get some donations for. It wasn't a passion then. It was sort of something that I had mm. to do because everybody else was doing that. Um, I had a fantastic upbringing. Um, you know, from my family and my uh, and parents particularly, and some good friends around me. For the first 10, 11 years, I lived in Blackburn, which is is a quite a deprived area, actually, here in the UK. Um, mm. There's some real social issues that affect a lot of people uh, from that area, but it's also a fantastic area. Great football club, great um, culture, great music yeah. scene. You know, there's some fantastic things to come out of Blackburn, and I, I wouldn't change anything Um in terms of my upbringing, but yeah, I suppose for the first 15, 16 years of my life, didn't really have much of an interest in the third sector. For me, it's come from that lived experience, um, my own struggles, uh, other family struggles from different different social issues, but yeah, I wouldn't say my upbringing has influenced my passion too much, Um, Mm. but then again, it possibly has in other ways that I've not thought of.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's fair enough, that's that's a a great answer then, and because you kind of speak a lot about your own sort of um, own sort of challenges and in that sense, and I know I, think I, was, I was listening to an interview, I think you did for Lancashire Live or something, I'm not too sure what it was, and you kind of said in 2016 how you didn't know who you were, who you were, basically, and you didn't know who you was, and my question to you is, would you say that you know who you are now, or has that been more of a constant struggle during your pursuit of your passion at all? If that's a personal question, you can... Tell no, me, it's but, yeah. a
0: great question. So, the yeah, the interview you're referring to was in 2016 um, mm. and it was, I sat on a sofa, I believe, um, chatting yeah. and that was very much in the midst of my mental health struggles. Um, oh, I'd wow. just done a post, I'd just shared sort of my, that i have been struggling for a couple of months and then I got interviewed to, to, to go on TV, which was uh, an interesting experience and certainly my first experience on TV and yeah. um, and I think in terms of didn't know who you were that sort of phrasing I didn't at the time depression controlled every part of my life the smallest things relationships friendships uh, you know relationships with family and friends your interest in your hobbies were completely I'd say obliterated by by the depression to be honest with you and I went very much into my own shell for many months um, it was nice to start getting out there and sharing that story because you know I felt empowered and I felt like I was giving back to other people, but it helped myself as well. It was really Mm. cathartic, actually, just sharing what i would bottled up for so long. Um, So I'd have to say that over the last few years, since then, I've found myself more. There's obviously elements of our our personalities that we're still uncovering and still delving into a little bit more. Um, But no, I'm getting there. I think this is a journey. I don't think you ever get there perfectly. But in terms of my interest in the third sector, charity sector, interest in in social activism, that's very much uh, what I enjoy doing.
1: That's amazing, and I hope you continue doing what you enjoy the most and what you're passionate about. You know, because I find I agree with you so much about the idea of like always being a constant journey, isn't it? Because you're never at the stage of knowing who you are. I find there are times where you know who you are at some stages, like you have certain core values, like your value of like authenticity or being vulnerable, those kind of core values that you have. Of course, there are other times where you're still figuring out who you are truly. So, you know, so I think that's always been a constant, just like constant journey, really, it seems, through your pursuit of the passion.
0: Yeah, and transparency and authenticity, very important values to me, showing that, you know, having meetings with uh, people at the team and volunteers at Hullo, and just very much sharing what I think of, of a certain situation and not being... Because yeah, there's, there's certainly a thing in, in, the, in the third sector. I was chatting with someone um, yesterday where some people can be not willing to change, not willing to embrace change mm-hmm. and whatever yeah. that may be. in. But actually, as a young person who has, is trying to change the sector, wouldn't I be a bit of a hypocrite if I didn't take on people's diverse perspectives and opinions yeah. about change? So I really do love learning. That's another key value of mine. Love hearing other people's perspectives. People that have been in a sector or have lots and lots of experiences. Obviously, not treating that as gospel because I'm here to change oh, yeah, things course, up a little course, bit. of course, of course, of course. But yeah, then also absolutely. people who maybe have never really tasted the, the, the third sector are learning. But their their opinions and perspectives matter too.
1: Hmm. It seems like diversity and diversity of thought within your you're kind of like community it seems like the diversity of thought is really important to you how is that the diversity of thought within your sort of social collection of people how is that kind of that must have really impacted your sort of passion would you say
0: it has because you 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 have your own life experiences you have your own journey your own story and Mm. whether you, you don't necessarily think that's the right story but that's all you know and that's all you've experienced and you know if you take social issues like social isolation uh loneliness um, things like that, that that have been really exacerbated by the pandemic over the last 16 17 months and um, my experience with be is very very different to the next person and to the next person and if you don't have that ability to chat and connect and learn how these experiences affect people differently in different parts of the UK, for example, or with different experiences. You never can learn as an organisation, you can never learn as an individual because you just think you know what's best and this is where we're going. Um, And loneliness and social isolation are a really good example because they affect everybody very, very, very differently. Um, And no conversation at hello is different to the next one because that person's experience
1: is different to that person's. One of the lessons I find from now from speaking to you and even speaking to other people, like I've driven my own passion or my own pursuit, my own passion, it's it's having that range of thought, the range of different perspectives, and how that influences your sort of perspective. I find it's so important. I think a lot of us often you know sit in our shells a lot and don't look out look wide enough. And I think you know that's a lesson that I think hopefully people who are listening you know can take away from. But there is a quote actually um, that you said specifically on suicide prevention day in 2020. And you said a, a, such an amazing quote, and I can't remember who exactly said this, but you referenced this in this video, where you said you are braver than you believe, stronger than you seem, and smarter than you think. And I know you did that so much better in the video better than I've done it right now. But um what I really want to ask you is, where have you applied that message in your own pursuit of your passion?
0: So uh, Winnie the Pooh is the reference. A.A. Uh, Milne um, is the, is is the author nice. that wrote that. Um, and I don't know too much context behind the quote. It's a quote that's just stuck with me for many, many years and I've always loved. And there's an element of um, we all have self-doubts. We all, and you mm. mentioned, can be quite insular and can be quite shielded and protected from the world and not want to push outside of our comfort zones sometimes because of self-doubt, because of... Um, Criticisms or fear of failure, whatever it may be, mm. um, and I hold my hands up. I sometimes feel I'm not as smart as I as I think, or I'm not yeah. as strong, or I'm weaker than I seem. Um, but actually, it's just about flipping that mindset, having those positive affirmations, and you know, reading that quote: "You're braver than you believe, stronger than you think, see, I'm smarter than you think." It's just such an powerful quote that I think everybody can sort of get behind um, and particularly poignant when it comes to talking about mental health and our, and our struggles mm-hmm. with our mental health and wellbeing because that's where the self-doubt can come in. That's where the criticisms and critiques of ourselves and our personalities are often heightened. Um, and we need to try our best to nip it in the bud and, and not have that self-doubt coming in because we are exactly what that quote suggests.
1: Mm, absolutely and you mentioned about positive um i can't say the word now Affiliations? no like affirmations po- i know yeah affirmations yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank, actually, you, honestly, thank you honestly thank you i screwed that up but my bad positive affinity. ah oh, my dyslexia is coming in now god's sake but yeah i, I think we know that what word. we're talking about yeah, i do
0: know exactly
1: you know you know what word i'm trying to say you know and you know doing that and i know i was speaking to someone else on this podcast called or a goodbye who said she's like writes down actually all the things she- that she's really good at basically. And what's, what's she's really good. And then she's put also a list on another side of what, what she's not as good at. And she yeah. can see actually, Oh, I'm actually better on paper than I actually think I am. So that's one way of like doing like those kind of positive things, right? Yes. Yeah, it's, it's brilliant. And, but what, what do you do then to really say like, you know what I am stronger than I, than I am that what I believe I am braver than I believe and smarter than I actually think I am. So what kind of things do you do to, Get away from that imposter syndrome, basically. Writing
0: down positive affirmations and seeing them, like why mm. people write to-do lists or journal, it's a yeah. really good way of getting the thoughts and the, the sort of cloud and fuzziness that we have in our brains written down and seen and you know in front of us. Um, I think that's really important, and you can have fun with that as well. You can do it as little yeah. quotes. You can make it pretty. In fact. You know, I have a little one here on my desk, which is um, a journey of a thousand miles must begin with a single step. And it's it's ah. just little things like that. You can be creative and put them around your yeah. room, put them on your phone. So because we all know social media and, and scrolling on a phone can be see endless and have its challenges. But actually mixing that up with some positive affirmations or reminders in your phone so it pings up with these positive messages throughout the day I think that's awesome another great thing to do is to have really lovely chats with like-minded people where you can Mm. say how well they're doing and wow the growth of your project or well done on finishing your degree what's next and they will be asking the same about you and you see do you know what I am doing well we've had a chat and you come out feeling fulfilled um, and only you know who those people are in your life to have a chat to, and and you just get that little bit of a buzz from. Um, I have a number of people that just love asking questions of me. Some friends who just want to find yeah. more, you can see they're they're passionate about my passion, and mm. you come away from those those conversations feeling so uh, fulfilled.
1: Absolutely. And speaking of having conversations and speaking, you've done like loads of interviews and talks. You're like a TEDx talker, which I've listened to your TED talk. And I know we've. We've already mentioned this in like past podcasts or past conversations. I've said, you know, it was amazing TED talk and you seem very confident in yourself and how you speak. But my question is, because often we often see people in the public eye who are very confident in their speaking, but sometimes they might be not as confident as they seem to be. So what I want to ask is, you know, have you always been confident in what you say during your pursuit of your passion or has that been something that you've actually developed over, over the last few years?
0: really good question um it depends on the the circumstances and the context really mm. there are still contexts in my life now where i struggle and i mm. do uh, i don't have too much confidence so so let's think um so might be in a, a pub environment or in a nightclub environment where you're with people who Yeah, Yeah. With a a certain sort of people um, at the nightclub. And I love going there and and catching up with Mm. friends and things like that. Not that we've done much of it over the last 18 months. Um, But there's an element of that. You're not really talking about your passion necessarily. You're talking about other things um, that you're you're there on a night out. Um, Another example might be um, in a situation where you don't feel comfortable. So I played a lot of football when I was younger. and, And whilst I enjoyed football, I was good at it. I wasn't sort of that lads, lads in the lads, lad in the dressing room, and of course, yeah. I was very much in my shell. And I used to sit in the corner, get dressed, play my football match, and off I went. But when it comes to talking about the passion, mental health, and well-being, um, I do love talking about that because I'm speaking from the heart and I'm speaking from something that I really do believe in, and trying to see change within that space. Um, but as I say, it depends on the context, really. Um, sometimes people think I'm the most confident of, of, of persons. Um, other, yeah. other times I feel that I'm, I'm not, but hey-ho.
1: Yeah. And speaking of context then, I've mentioned your TEDx talk on Durham. Was that one of the contexts where you were like, oh my God, I'm so scared doing this talk, or were you actually deep inside, actually, you know what, I've got this? What, what was that kind of like?
0: With, with public speaking, I've probably done hundreds of um, mm. speaking to, to audiences, shall we say, at, at corporate events, um, at universities, at schools, whatever it might be, just speaking in front of audiences. I've done a lot of over the last five or six years, more more, yeah. more uh, accurately the last couple of years. Um, but, yeah, that one was one of the only times I can remember where I sort of had dry mouth and I'd gone through a bottle of water about two minutes before, <laughs> Um, yeah. And I did this I did this little shake just before I went on. Um, and then I walked on the stage. And then you have to perform an act. It, it is an act. Otherwise, you can just be shaking and trembling on the stage. You have to just flip my mindset and say, you, you can do this. You've done it before. Why is this environment mm. any different to the other talks that I've done? Um, but I would be lying to say that, that before that, the 10, 15 minutes before, I really got... Um, a little bit nervous but it was it was good in the end
1: yeah i love the honesty by by the way it's it's so good to hear people being honest about when they go on stage because i feel like i i often i'll be honest with you when i when i do podcasts or when i whatever i do i always get nervous too before it but it's kind of like you kind of channel that nervous energy into what you do it seems is that is that a good way of maybe putting what you do in that sense
0: You've got to channel it in some way. Um, yeah, you've, yeah. You've, you've really got to. And I think that if you channel it into what you're saying and that you, it's, you're talking about a topic that you know, I think that's important. It's it's just your bread and butter, so to speak. It's just what you enjoy chatting about and, and yeah. sharing your opinions and insights on. Uh, so I, I suppose that the first, the first 10, 15 seconds can be a little bit, as you get into it, a little bit nervous um, and just as you find your flow, so to speak. Then you really do get into it, and it and it becomes a lot easier um, because you, you're finding your feet. You've you've rehearsed this. You know what you're talking about, and uh, it it, you, it goes well.
1: Hundred mm, percent. And I know you. And speaking about like kind of channeling your passion or channeling what you're you know you're inspired by, and or the love the love that you do and stuff, and what whatever you do. In what ways have you kind of positively shaped people's lives? And by the way, this is in reference to an interview done by. I think it's only if they knew. I believe so. Yeah. In what ways have you positively shaped yep. people's lives?
0: I think that's one of the things that that um, all, all you all I can do every day, all we can do every day is is try. And strive to positively shape people's life. I think that's mm. something that's it's having the right intentions behind it. So it's it's the work that we do at hello it's the work that I did at the children's charity. I don't do it for any other reasons, but A, because I enjoy it, of course, you know, I do love that environment sharing with like-minded people and making a difference. But it's that that key bit of, of seeing the difference that you're making, the, the confidence and the development of a person. Um, you know, someone having overcome their challenges and come out the other side and then get involved in the project and wanting to give back to as part of that sort of virtuous cycle. Um, that's something you see a lot of, actually. It's people coming to a service as a service user, mm. coming to the organization as a, as a caller, for example. Um, but then actually a few months later, becoming a volunteer, becoming a member of the team. And you just see that that transformation in a person every single person that we've made a difference on or have have made a comment and said, Oh, I've I've really enjoyed coming to chatting with you at the charity or whatever it is that fills me with so much joy because that's exactly why we're doing it.
1: Mm. And does that kind of keep you pursuing that passion? Would you say the, the, the fact that someone comes up to you and says, you know what, that chat on with Hulo was really, really beneficial. Does that keep you going when you pursue your passion? Was there something else?
0: It keeps you grounded because, you know, people have yeah. different uh, perspectives on, on growth, for example, and and making an impact, you know, you know, getting more numbers. We were having a chat yesterday about building our strategy for Hullo over the next five years. And one of the things we're really passionate about is, is the quality of conversations rather than quantity. We want to make a real difference mm. to people's lives and we want to uh, have a really fantastic meaningful conversation with everyone that comes into contact with us and that keeps us grounded you know we can look at um, we're creating a bit of a manifesto is not the right word but it's, it's almost like a manifesto or a, a list of affirmations <laughs> yeah that all our volunteers all our team look at every single day and they read it you know we're being inclusive we're being welcoming to everyone's perspectives and thoughts um another one might, might be every conversation we try and make people smile that keeps us grounded It takes us away from thinking too far ahead and being too aspirational. It keeps us grounded in the now, in the present, and I think that's really important.
1: Mm, Absolutely. And what? Because you've spoken a lot on this conversation about Hulo, and I've looked into what you do with that, and it's it's great. It's a great little like you know, um, like a phone line service that kind of helps people have a conversation, basically about anything, really, and. But what I want to ask you more is, you know, yes, we can speak about the achievements, the milestone that you've done with HULO, but what I want to know a bit more about is the challenges, you know, running a nonprofit, you know, having volunteers and managing a team. Is that the biggest challenges with HULO or is there something else?
0: We encounter. I encounter challenges. We, as an organisation, encounter challenges every single day. That's part of a journey. That's part of a startup. We, you know, we very much still are in a startup stage, <clears throat> having not been going for, for that long at all. And um, you learn, and you, sorry, you face challenges and hurdles and barriers every single day, every single week. Um, some you look back on and think, why was I ever <laughs> worried or, or or faced? Why was that ever a mm. challenge to me? Um, when you look back. But a couple of the challenges, you know, managing a team virtually and actually having all these volunteers with different, Mm. very busy lives often from all over the country. We're not in any one physical location. Some charities and businesses are and very much have had that, been able to build that family, build that community around a certain location. Being a national not for profit, you know, we've hardly met any of the team. I think I've probably met only a handful Mm. face to face. Of, of any of the wow. hundreds of people that have been involved in the organisation. And that's a, that would have been a bit... We'd we never have believed that, would we, three years ago, mm. uh, that not actually oh, meeting that many people. Yeah. Um, I don't think we'd have ever launched, actually, if it wasn't before the pandemic. The other thing as well is, I'd be amiss if I didn't mention sort of funding and fundraising you know we're in a very very difficult time the pandemic has been a really tough time for the charity sector with funding restraints or indeed lots of projects and good causes all going for the same pots of money. So we've had to be quite lean. We've had to run the the not-for-profit as a startup, um, quite bootstrap project. We don't have big budgets for marketing. In fact, I say don't have big budgets. We don't have a budget for marketing. We don't have a budget for social media and campaigns or comms at the moment. We have to be really quite tight-knit and use the power of conversation to get our message out there, the power of um. What do you call it when someone? Oh, I've, I've just lost the word. Um, oh,
1: is it? Oh, um. Word of mouth. Word of mouth. It's, yeah. Word of mouth gotcha. exactly.
0: <laughs> that is that is so powerful. That is so powerful. Yeah. So a couple. You're managing volunteers and coordinating volunteers across the UK virtually. Um. Sort of the funding challenges and other challenges. Um. The pandemic, but no, it's been a it's been a fantastic journey, and I can't wait to continue it.
1: Massive and. Speaking of your journey, what lessons then have you learned from each of your kind of social projects? So that's with Hulo, that's with other things like, yeah, what kind of lessons have you learned from in your journey so far?
0: So one lesson would be surround yourself with. With great people, with passionate people. Mm. So, uh, the first person that comes to mind with with me is Matty, the creative brains behind most of the projects that I've ever done. We we worked at a restaurant together uh, a number of years (laughs) ago. We've both been united through uh, our own mental health struggles. That's how we we got together originally. But we've become really, really great friends. So, he's always the creative brains behind the projects. And I think learning what, being being able to embrace what you're good at and what you're not. You touched upon that earlier. Actually, Mm, we we all know what our strengths are. Sometimes they're they're hard to find and we don't think certain things are our strengths or whatever. But you you sort of have a good idea of what you're good at and what you're not. For me, things like uh, creative and design and marketing, I'll I'll happily join conversations about, but that's not my forte at all. So first first lesson is, is almost surrounding yourself with really good people, getting mentors, And I like Mm -hmm. reverse mentoring as well. You know, can can you mentor? Can you learn off people that have been more experienced than you? So senior leaders in the charity sector, for example, in my case, but they also learn off me because I'm new and I'm starting this journey. I'm willing to take risks. I'm willing to be a little bit disruptive in the sector to change the way things are done for generations because the charity sector is very stale, it can be. Some good causes are are very forward-thinking and innovative, but others are a little bit less so. So yeah, mentors, really, really important. Um, And I thought that the the third one, it's a little bit of a cliche, but about our opinions and and mindset on failure. It's going to happen. We're going to get knocked back when you're launching a social action project. Um, You're going to get people who don't like the concept I remember one uh, very senior leader in a business who I pitched up for some money. Basically said, "Who's ever going to use Hello? Um, it's not really needed. Loneliness and social isolation aren't really a problem." I was just sat there thinking, "Crikey, <laughs> I don't know what <laughs> I don't know what planet you're living on, but it's yeah. certainly not you know modern day uh, modern day Britain." But hey ho,
1: <laughs> yeah, and. What was from that then? So those lessons, by the way, are amazing. I, I, in particular, I love the mentor lesson because I, I mentor actually as well uh, away from yeah. the podcast. And yeah, I yeah, mentor. I love it. I love mentoring so much. It's, it's, it's amazing. It's so empowering. And I, I agree with that so much. And from that then, from your lessons, if you had to give a p- one piece of advice to someone um, who's, let's say, going into the nonprofit sector, what would that advice be?
0: Now, I'll I possibly mention this. It, it, there's, no, I, I, there's so many different things that, that you mm. could pick up on about the number one, piece of, number one piece of advice. I touched upon it. I think it would have to be surrounding yourself with, with, with good people, like-minded people, yeah. who also um, are grounded in what you're doing, who, who really are in it for the right reasons. There will mm. be people you come across on any journey that are not in it for the right reasons, that are not authentic, that don't share those same values as you. So I think surrounding yourself with good people that are able to contribute, that have the right values, that fit your organisation, your project and your passion that you are pursuing. And I think that's really, really important um, because then you can grow and learn together.
1: Lastly, Lewis, you know, what does passion mean to you?
0: Great question. That's Passion means to me, what gets you up out of bed in the morning? What drives you every single day? What will put a smile on your face? What will, even when there are thorns, bumps in the road, challenges that you face, you still do what you do and you'll find a way around them. Stuff that you don't have that passion for, when hurdles, challenges, things, bumps come up in the road, you might just think, do you know what? I'm not going to go over that bump. I'm not going to find another way around it. I'm going to turn around and go back in the other direction. Passion is what gets you through those challenges, whether that is personal challenges. You know, your passions can get you through things that you would never have got through without it. That's why you hear so many amazing people that have found their passion through adversity. And I think that's really, really important. Um, And you will look back on your passion and hopefully be proud of what you've achieved, proud of the journey that you've come on and hopefully bring more and more people onto
1: it. I mean, that's such a good way. Wow. You know what? I hope I hope people get inspired by that message, man. Really hope. Thank you so much for listening to that episode of In Pursuit of Passion podcast produced by the Demographica Network and hosted by myself, Hamish Hallett. Such a great conversation with Lewis Alexander-Baxter. If you want to know more about his amazing work, I will include all of his details down below in the episode bio. But unfortunately, this is the last episode of the season, which is so sad. However, we are bringing another season of this amazing podcast to you, the audience. And I just want to say a big, big thank you to the one and only Eve McIntyre, who has edited this amazing podcast and really just done so many amazing things. She is amazing, super, super amazing. And I think this podcast wouldn't happen without her, essentially. So I want to do a big shout out to her as well as the demographic network that have allowed this podcast to happen and until the next season that will start very very soon keep pursuing that passion and see you in the next one